Yeah, so um, today, please open your Bibles in the book of Judges, chapter 6, and uh, most of the sermon will be coming from Judges, chapter 6. This is uh, about Gideon. This is part one. Part one is my subtle suggestion to the pastor that he needs to invite me back, because there's maybe a part two, and who knows, maybe even a part three. So today is part one, the calling. And when I get invited back, because I'm full of confidence, then we'll talk about the clash. And then when I get invited back again, we'll talk about the conclusion. Uh Uh-huh. So that's how it's done. Now, um, background. Judges chapter 6. The background. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, and because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up, and the Amalekites, and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth, till thou come unto Gaza. And left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor donkey. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude, for both they and their camels were without number. And they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. So Israel suffered punishment for doing evil. And now they are crying unto the Lord. They have realized the error of their ways. Now note the seven years. Seven in the Bible symbolizes completeness or fulfillment. The time of oppression has been fulfilled. The time of punishment. And this prompts me to consider, is this also our situation today? Our world has been disobedient. Our world is occupied by the enemy. The enemy is robbing us of abundance, of sustenance. Not necessarily physical, but spiritual sustenance. Food or bread, the symbol of the word. But you know what? The time is being fulfilled. The seven years are drawing to a conclusion. Seven cosmic years. And when God's people suffer a lack of the word, the sustenance... Then, in Judges 6, verse 8, the Lord sent a prophet. The Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt, and brought you forth out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of all that oppressed you, and drave them out from before you, and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. God will send a prophet to remind his people of the content of his word. Yes, not all prophets foretell the future. Some prophets clarify the situation of our present day by reminding us of the contents of the word. In fact, the word prophet merely means to be inspired. 
And this prophet who came to Israel was inspired by God to bring this message as a reminder to Israel so that they could understand their circumstance. And my question to you, congregation, have we been sent a prophet in our times to remind us of the word of God and in so doing clarify our circumstance? And that is just a question. Have we been sent a prophet? But continuing in verse 11, And there came an angel of the Lord, and Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Angel of the Lord. This phrase is ambiguous. In some places it refers to Jesus. In other places it refers to an actual angel as in a seraphim or a cherubim. Now, why is there such ambiguity about angel of the Lord? Well, angel in the Old Testament is translated from the Hebrew word malak, which means messenger. Angel in the New Testament is translated from the Greek angelos, which also means messenger. So claiming that Jesus is an angel, as in Jesus is a messenger, that's not saying that Jesus is lesser to God. He is merely a messenger. Jesus has a message to deliver. So this word angel, be careful when reading it and don't immediately assume it's describing a being with wings and a created being. Angel is messenger. Now here we have the angel of the Lord and he's come to Gideon and Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress. Here we meet Gideon. Gideon, his name means he who chops down as in a, a feller of trees. A logger. It also implies that he is a warrior. The angel of the Lord chose wisely. He chose a warrior. Gideon. We read that Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress. He threshed wheat by the winepress. Threshing wheat by the winepress to avoid, to hide it from the Midianites. Now Gideon is either shrewd in avoiding the Midianites? Or is he perhaps a coward? Which one is it? But notice here. The angel of the Lord comes to one who is busy. The Lord calls the busy. Waiting on the Lord by being idle is no good. Idleness in the Bible is a vice. Proverbs 19.15 says that slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. We are to wait on the Lord by occupying till He comes. As the parable of the ten servants in Luke 19, verse 13 to 27 teaches us, we must be industrious, be productive in the field for the harvest of the Lord. The angel of the Lord came to Gideon while he was threshing. He was busy. Now also notice that Gideon is threshing wheat. Wheat is used to make bread. Wheat is bread. He was threshing wheat in a wine press. Bread and wine. There is an implied communion in what Gideon is doing here. He was busy. He was engaged in a communion of sorts. And then he was engaged by the Lord. The bread symbolizes the word of God. The wine symbolizes the blood of Jesus. And if you want to be used by God, you better be busy in the word and cleansed by the blood. 
Gideon. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him, in verse 12, and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Mighty man of valor. So I guess uh, Gideon is a shrewd warrior then, right? The angel calls him a mighty man of valor. Let's hear Gideon's response. Verses 13, And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, then why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, Wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. Now, it is starting to seem to me that perhaps the angel of the Lord was mistaken. Gideon is not a warrior. He's not a mighty man of valor. He does not have an impressive CV. He comes from a poor family. His family is in Manasseh, not Judah, or one of the wonderful tribes, but Manasseh. He is the least of his father's house. He's not a man of valor. He's hiding away from the Midianites. The Lord approaches him and he's questioning, how could Gideon, he's questioning, how can I be expected to save Israel? Something's not adding up. Gideon's not sounding like a warrior. He's sounding more like a warrior, as in someone who worries a lot. About everything. And at face value, I guess Gideon has good reason to worry. This also prompts me to consider, do we sometimes make excuses? Do we think we come from a poor family? Now that may be. But what if you realize that you are now part of the family of God? Are you still poor? Do we think of us as being the least among our siblings? Well, maybe that's a fact. But what if you realize that Jesus valued you so much that he endured the cross for you? Are you still the least? Do we worry? Do we have worries? Do we worry that we are inadequate to serve, unable to serve? Maybe we should consider the Lord's perspective. Does the Lord think we are inadequate? Does God make mistakes? Did God make a mistake when He called you? How many of you think that God called you? Think about that. Is that how you view yourself? As called by God. Verse 16. And the Lord said unto Gideon, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. The Lord himself has selected Gideon for this task, and he promises to be with Gideon. Gideon will prevail over his enemies by the power of the Lord. And when the Lord sends Gideon, the Lord promises that he will go with him. And so too for us. 
The Lord may send us, but He will also be with us. This echoes Jesus' promise in Matthew 28, verse 19, where Jesus is speaking and He says, Go ye, He sends us. Go ye and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. When the Lord sends you, He will go with you. Back to Gideon. Verse 17. And Gideon said unto the angel of the Lord, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee, and bring forth my present, and set it before thee. And the angel of the Lord said, I will tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went in, and he made ready a kid, and unleavened, uh, a kid here is a goat, a small goat, unleavened cakes of ephah and flour, the flesh he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot, and he brought it out unto him under the oak, and presented it. And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and lay them upon this rock, and pour out the broth, and he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand, and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and there rose up fire out of the rock, and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. So what's happening here? The Lord has approached Gideon. Gideon's not so sure that the Lord approached the right man. The Lord promises to be with Gideon. Gideon asks for a sign. Gideon asks for a sign. And the Lord obliges. How many of us, how many of us who are unsure if God truly has called me, have asked for that sign? Do we have the desire to believe, such a strong desire that we are willing to ask for a sign? Gideon asked, and the Lord revealed himself to Gideon, and Gideon was reassured that nothing will happen to him as a consequence. Now, what sign did the Lord provide to Gideon? The sign was that Gideon set out the sacrifice, but the Lord accepted the sacrifice by consuming that sacrifice. That was the sign. The Lord accepted the sacrifice. And I just want to point out to you that the Lord has provided the same sign for us as a reason to believe. In Matthew 12, verse 38 to 40, certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But Jesus answered and said unto them, An evil and an adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus, three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, resurrected, was a sign of Jesus' sacrifice being accepted. 
And that sign is a sign for all of us to believe. Yes, if Jesus did not rise from the grave, then it would imply that his sacrifice was not accepted, but he rose from the grave. We have another sign that the sacrifice was accepted. This is a sign for us so that we may believe. We're back in Judges chapter 6, verse 24. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord, and he called it Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah is peace. So let's summarize. Gideon, he has an experience, an encounter with Jesus. Gideon receives a calling. He is called to save Israel. Gideon is provided reassurance. He is not alone. God will be with him. Fourth point, he builds an altar. Gideon is now ready to make sacrifices. For many of us, we will experience the same with Jesus when reading the Gospels. First, we encounter Jesus. Many a conversion starts with an encounter where Jesus reveals himself unto us. Not all necessarily as dramatic as that of Gideon, but a revelation nonetheless. We encounter Jesus. We then receive a calling. Matthew 28, 19 is a generic calling if there's no other specific calling. But go, go ye therefore. Three, we are provided reassurance that we are not alone. Matthew 28, 20, lo, I am with you always. We are not alone. Four, four, however, four, how many of us have built that altar in our hearts and in our homes. How many of us have built that altar, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah is peace, in our hearts and in our homes? Are we ready to make the sacrifice? Build that altar. Now Gideon, after building this altar, he, receive, he receives his first task. It is a task both as a test of faith, and faithful obedience. We read in verses 25 to 27. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto Gideon, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and there's seven years again, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath cut, hath and cut down the grove that is by it. And build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place. And take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants. And he did as the Lord had said unto him. And so it was because he feared his father's household and the men of the city. That he could not do it by day. That he did it by night. So Gideon takes a bull, a bull that is seven years old. He will use this bull to accomplish the task, but he will also sacrifice this bull. It symbolizes a complete and a perfect sacrifice by Gideon. He is ready to sacrifice. That bull was worth a lot in those days. It was a costly sacrifice. If we are going to sacrifice for the calling, it's going to cost us something. It's not going to cost us nothing. Are we ready to bring that sacrifice? You know what? Where does Gideon start? Gideon starts with his own family. The Lord sends him to his own father's house. The reformation must start in his own family. 
There was work to be done to cleanse his own house, his family's house. Do you know what? Gideon was new to this. He didn't do it alone. He got ten men. We don't have to do it alone. Brothers and sisters, when we are called by the Lord, we are to grow in faith and obedience by ministering in our own homes, among our own family. Absolutely wait until your faith and technique matures, but it will never be perfect. Start somewhere. Do not delay and postpone and ultimately never do. Start. Ask for help. You don't need to do it alone. But if you don't care enough for the salvation of your own family, who will? Exercise your faith and your influence for the good of your family. Also, I want to mention the practical act of cleansing your house from idols. Idol altars. This should not be underappreciated. How can the Spirit of the Lord dwell in your house alongside idols? Be they cultural. Be they inherited. Be they of sentimental value. There are idols in Christian homes that are undermining our Christian experience. It's not just a decoration. If it's undermining your Christian experience, cleanse your house. And I'm preaching here in a multicultural congregation. And I understand that this might hurt some cultures. But I want to tell you, cultural sensitivity is not going to save you in the day of judgment. If there are things that do not belong in a Christian house, take it out. But you know what? I'm also speaking to my culture. Because we do not have idols in our culture. But we do have similar to idols. We have pop stars. Teen idols. These things are unchristian influences in our homes. And it's undermining our Christian experience. You know what? When I was a young man, I listened to a message of a man who spoke about this act. This practical act of cleanse your house from the idols. And I did it myself. I went, I started a fire in the backyard, and I started to bring all those CDs and DVDs and things that are unedifying, that are not spiritually uplifting, that I know are competing, competing with my time set aside for the Lord, and I tossed it in the fire. Do that. That is a practical act of practicing your Christianity. That is the altar. That is the costly sacrifice. Burn it. It's of no good for anyone's salvation. And you know what? I'll even share another story. And this is without permission. So if there is some consequence to this, you know, think of my soul. Remember me. But uh, it's a story about my in-laws, which is why I'm so very careful in sharing this. But you know what? Um, Pastor's cautioning me, I should listen, I should listen to experience here, but in my in-law's family, mother-in-law noticed that there's a problem in the house. The kids aren't receiving the attention they need, the family's not united as a family, 
and I'm trying not to make eye contact with my wife in case she's trying to warn me. The problem was the TV. There was a TV there. It was the family altar, the idol altar. And mother-in-law did something that I respect her a lot for. She also, under the cover of night, well, actually, when everyone had left the house during the day, she didn't have 10 men help her, but she took a hammer herself and she smashed the TV. It certainly caused a reaction. But my wife today says that that was a very wonderful thing her mom did because it set her free. It brought the family back together again. And I want to say, in Christian homes, we aren't as sensitive as we should be to these altars and these idols. And if you need to smash your TV, I want to tell you, it's a proven recipe. It works. Take a big hammer, smash that thing. Your family is more important. Now Gideon, because he feared his father's household and the men of the city, he could not do it by day, thus he did it by night. Yes, sometimes we may have fear when we are having to cleanse our house, when we are having to engage our family. We fear, I'm not unsympathetic to this fact, can be so challenging when risking so much to minister to our family members, but we must find a way. Gideon has so far not been bold in faith. He has been cautious throughout, but despite his careful approach, he is being obedient. Pray for the wisdom from the Lord to provide you with a way where you can be obedient, even if you are still cautious. We continue, verse 28 to 30. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down, and the grove was cut down that was by it, and the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, Who hath done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son that he may die, because he hath cast down the altar of Baal, and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. It would be unfair and unrealistic of us to expect that this world and the people under bondage of the enemy in this world, for them to always respond with kindness towards you, when they see the effects of reformation and character restoration as brought about by true worship. We should be realistic. We should expect persecution. It is how we handle the conflict and the persecution that makes the difference. Sadly also, expect this persecution from those closest to you. The unsaved nearest to us strike the blows that hurt the most. I cannot prevent this from happening. I can only tell you that it will happen. But pray, pray for strength, be obedient, act in love, but act in valor. Verse 31 and 32. 
And Joash, the father of Gideon, said unto all that stood against him, Will ye plead for Baal? Will ye save him? He that will plead for Baal, let him be put to death whilst it is yet morning. If Baal be a god, let him plead for himself, because one hath cast down his altar. Therefore on that day Joash called Gideon Jeroboam, saying, Let Baal plead against him, because he hath thrown down his altar. Now what happened here? Well, Gideon's father, Joash, who was a, a practicer of idolatrous worship, had his own altar, had his own grove. Joash suddenly had his conscience revived. And Joash defends his son, and the threat is defeated. And we too may see this when those unto whom we have ministered start speaking up in our defense, in defense of the faith and in defense of the ministry. We too may see this wonderful event. Drawing to conclusion, verse 33, Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and Abiezer was gathered after him. Abiezer was a son of Manasseh. This is the family clan of Gideon within the tribe of Manasseh. Verse 35, And Gideon sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also gathered after him. And he sent messengers unto Asher, and unto Zebulon, and unto Naphtali, and they came to meet him. To be continued. All right, you've got to invite me back for part two. <laughs> but in summary... We have now witnessed God's way to grow in faith. Gideon lacked faith. He then has an experience with Jesus where Jesus reveals himself unto Gideon. Gideon asked for a sign and Jesus complied. Gideon then erects an altar. He is now willing to sacrifice. Gideon is given a calling, something challenging but something achievable. Gideon is obedient. Gideon faces persecution. Gideon is delivered by his father. Gideon is delivered by his father. And steps four to seven we'll see they repeat. And so too it will be for us. We may lack faith. We will have that experience with Jesus where he receive, re reveals himself to us. We receive Jesus and we make a commitment to sacrifice to serve Him. We receive an impression, a message, a mission detailing what God wants us to do in order to serve Him. We are obedient. We are rewarded with persecution. As the saying goes, no good deed goes unpunished. We are delivered by our Heavenly Father. And this is how we will grow in faith ready to repeat steps four to seven. Gideon seeks more reassurance, verses 36 to 40. And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, Behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor, and if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. And it was so... He rose up early on the morrow, and he thrust the fleece together, and wringed the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. And Gideon said unto the Lord, Let not thine anger be hot, 
against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it now be dry only upon the fleece, and upon all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. To avoid any natural coincidence misleading him, Gideon asks for a sign that tests both ways. Now we can criticize Gideon for not believing, but the difference is that Gideon was willing to believe. And therefore, he was willing to test God. He prayed that dangerous prayer, Lord, if this is your will, show me your will. Because once you know the will of the Lord, you must obey. Obey in faith. Now, we can compare Gideon to King Ahaz. I don't know how many of you remember studying King Ahaz in the Sabbath schools quarterly this, uh, this quarter. Specifically in chapter 7. We read verse 10 of Isaiah 7, verse 10. The Lord spoke again unto Ahaz, saying, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. You see, Ahaz did not want to believe. Therefore, he did not want to test God. Because if God were to reveal himself, then Ahaz knew he had to believe. He knew that God is real. So Ahaz was insincere and unwilling to know and see that God is real. Are there any among us who also feign such piety? Who sound sincere? I will not tempt God, but instead not really wanting to believe, not really wanting to see God revealed and so provoking God's anger by refusing to open that door to faith. Yes, Gideon lacked faith. Yes, he frequently needed assurance and then reassurance, but Gideon was willing to believe and he was growing in faith. And through faith, he was growing into a man of valor. Are you? Are you willing to believe? Are you willing to grow? Would you be willing to challenge God and ask for a sign? Is your faith real? Is God real to you? God saw Gideon as what he could be. Gideon didn't see himself that way, but Gideon was willing to cautiously follow and grow. And you know what? God sees you as what you can be. Will you cautiously follow each instruction to grow in faith through each miraculous sign and grow to be the person that God sees in you, a mighty man of valor? This is part one. Let's close our eyes. Dear Lord, we have reflected upon the experience of Gideon. Gideon who viewed himself as the least. But Lord, you in him saw great potential. Lord Jesus, there may be members here today who think of themselves as the least, whether it is for merit or for convenience. Lord Jesus, I pray that they will be given new sight and insight to see themselves the way that you see them. 
Lord Jesus, you have called your people to a great task, a task to go out and minister to a world that is in need. The enemy has encamped around us. It is taken away the bread. There is no sustenance. The word of God is being eliminated from the public square. But your people are the only answer. People who are willing to be Gideons today, who are willing to grow in faith, who are willing to ask for a sign to test you, O Lord, but ultimately being sincere that they are ready and willing to grow. And I pray that ESDAC today will realize that there is a calling upon us all. There is an opportunity. There is a promise. But there is a duty. You have said go, but you have promised that uh, we will not go alone. I pray that your people will respond to this great commission, Lord, by accepting the great invitation and to go forth in your power and in your holy name to conquer triumphantly, O Lord God. Amen.